Isaiah is one of the one of the behemoths of the Old Testament from the old school, the old school prophets. A prophet was a person who spoke on God's behalf. Quite often these days we think of prophecy as like a sort of fortune telling or sort of telling the future. Sometimes it was, but more often it was simply just a, a person giving a sense of what God was saying to this particular people at this particular time. In the Old Testament, the prophets had lived with the people. The prophets were among the people. They were able to hear and to discern what God's will clearly was. And Isaiah is, uh, is now an old man, getting towards the end of the book of Isaiah. We heard from Isaiah a few weeks ago when he was but a young man starting out, entering into the very throne room of God, being commissioned by God, but things have changed. Things are pretty desperate in the land of Israel at this point. So, let's read what Isaiah chapter 64 has to say to us this morning. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, Lord, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We are all shriveled up like a leaf and like the wind, your, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name and strives to lay hold of you, but you have hidden your face from us and given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. Let's pray. Loving Lord, look on us this morning, we pray. We are your people and we come to hear your word to us. Father, we pray that you might help us to lean in and discern your word to us this morning, to shut out the noise, the static of our world, and to hear you speaking to us. Father, we pray that my words might be your words. We pray that I might decrease and you increase in all that is said and indeed in all that is heard. And all the people said, Amen. Lord, why don't you just break open the skies, rend the skies, is how the NIV puts it. It's an old-fashioned word, means to tear apart or to break apart. Isaiah is calling out to God, Heavenly Father, just break open the skies and come down and make yourself known. They're desperate. Lord, how long? We need you, Father. How long must we wait? Come down, give us a show of your might and your power, for we need you. Isaiah is now an old man and times are tough 
in, in Israel. In fact, this may not even be Isaiah writing. The context here is that the Israelites have now sinned against God. He's turned, he's, he's, he's taken his fate away from their nation. As he, as he said, do not do this. He said, warned his people time and time again, yet they continued in their sin. He gave them over to the Babylonians. They've been taken away captive. By the rivers of Babylon, they sat down and wept when they remembered Zion. But now they've returned home. They've been allowed to return to their, to their homeland and things are bleak. The place is a mess. They've got a massive rebuilding task ahead of them. They are dispirited, disheartened. They are exhausted. They're a conquered people. And to add insult to injury, the nations around them are mocking them. The nations around them are saying, where's your God now? And so Isaiah is, is crying out, Lord, we need you. Please come and, and show yourself to us. This is our, our moment of need. I think we can all relate to this, can't we? We've all felt times where we just wanted God to break in and just to show himself, make himself known, make his will to us clear. I also think that modern Australia is a little bit like Israel back in, in those days. We also, I think, have turned our back on God as a nation. We've turned our back on his good life-giving precepts. We don't want to know about God. We're too busy bowing down at the altar of consumerism and hedonism and, and all the other things we fill up our, our life with. And I do sometimes wonder, how long will it be until God loses patience with the with this great Southland of ours, and indeed Western culture more generally. And I think it's fair to say that some people, even in the church today, are uh, feeling like Isaiah is, is here. Oh Lord, I, I signed up for you and I've done all the right things, I've said all the right things, I've come along to church every Sunday, I've said and done all the right things, and yet, where are you, Lord? Well, quite often you'll, you'll encounter people at the church who sort of seem to think that this is a transactional sort of a faith. I do this for you, God, and you owe this to me. And then when God doesn't seem to be fulfilling his end of the bargain, we sort of get frustrated and, and angry at God as though we can ever bargain with the creator of the cosmos. That's not how it works. If you think God owes you something, you are, you are mistaken. We come and we worship God simply out of our love for him. And we submit to his rule in, in, in our lives. But so often I think when I see and hear church people wondering, well, I've done all this stuff for God and he, and he owes me, it's, it's a little bit, makes me wonder, who, who really are you worshipping? What really is your God? Is it, is it God or is it simply just your own agenda? So that's the, that's the context here. Isaiah is, is crying out to God, here I am. And, and I think sometimes... We, we think of these heroes of the Bible like Isaiah as though they, they had a direct hotline to God. When people find out I'm a minister, one of the regular jokes they come up with at my expense is, oh, so you've got a hotline to God. You can dial up God anytime you want. I sometimes say, yes, I've got a bright red phone on my desk and I can ring him up and call him. That's, of course, not how it works. I wish it was like that. We sometimes think the heroes of the Bible went to the heavenly throne room for a briefing every morning. That's mostly not how it works. The irony is, in fact, Isaiah was one of the few people that did get that experience, but it was a long time ago by the time chapter 64 comes around. 
If you were with us a few weeks ago in our little mini-series about using our gifts for God's glory, about here I am, send me, you'll know that as a young fellow when he was commissioned, Isaiah did in fact enter into God's throne. We had a vision of uh, winged seraphim, heavenly creatures flying around. He's overawed. He cries out, woe is me for I've entered into God's presence, overwhelming presence. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a man among unclean people. Woe is me. He thinks I cannot possibly stand to be in God's presence. And if you remember correctly, a winged seraphim took a hot coal from the fire and touched his lips and said, you see, you've been purified now. You are my spokesperson. Go and speak to my people. And God says, who shall we send? And Isaiah famously says, here I am. Send me. That's one of the few instances of that happening in Scripture. Most of the time, the heroes of Scripture struggled like you and I in actually hearing God's voice. Most of the time, they, like us, had to lean in pretty hard. Even Jesus himself at the cross, if you remember, cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hearing from God can often be a, a difficult task. You might recall maybe even Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus. In Luke's account, there's bright light and it's all very spectacular, but the people around him didn't see or hear anything in particular. And even when Jesus himself hears from God in John's Gospel, John records that Jesus hears from his heavenly Father, but those around him simply heard thunder. So hearing from God does appear to be a, a case of perspective being, being, pretty, being pretty important. So what can we learn from this passage as Isaiah cries out to God, Lord, where are you? Well, I think... One thing we can learn here is that it is actually pretty arrogant to come before the creator of the cosmos and start making demands. You must get the sense here that Isaiah sort of catches himself. And after issuing, crying out to God, he, he sort of starts to say, okay, God, I'm going to come before you with praise and, and reverence. Before starting with our shopping list to God in prayer, we should always start off with, prayers of, of praise and of thanksgiving before we start our petition. Praise should always precede a, a petition to God. We should always come before God with a sense of perspective, a godly sense of perspective. And you'll see here in verse, in verse 3, Isaiah praises God for his marvellous works. In verse 4, he mentions his mysterious wonders. In verse 5, he mentions God's mercy. He tells God what he truly thinks of God. He, he says, yes, Lord, you are, you are mighty. In, verse, in verses 5 and 6, he acknowledges, he confesses his own fallen state. He says, even our righteous deeds are like filthy rags before God. In the original Hebrew, it sort of has a sense, this word of being polluted or soiled, or stained, or being defiled in some way. And in the ancient world, I mean, just let your mind run free what filthy rags means in, in the ancient world. It, it's, it's pollution. Even our righteous deeds are like filthy rags before God. And in verse 6, he even mentions, you know what, I'm just like a falling leaf. My time here on the earth, I'm like a leaf falling from a tree. I'm, I'm here today and gone tomorrow. I, 
I'm dust tomorrow. In verse 8, he has this wonderful line about how we are the clay and you are the potter. It's so arrogant to think the clay could somehow tell the potter what to do. So Isaiah humbles himself. He acknowledges, yes, I'm but, but clay in the potter's hand. I, I can do nothing but be molded by you. It is right that we are pliable in your hand, Lord. It is only right and proper that the clay remains pliable and, and, and shapeable, shapeable by God. And then in verse 9, then after that, then he, he returns to his plea before God. He, he says, remember us, Lord. remember us in your mercy. For we, are, for we are your people. There's a bit of a lesson there, I think, whenever we're tempted to cry out to God. Yes, he wants to hear how we really feel, but it's always important to remember our true state before us. A holy, a holy God. It seems as though when we cry out to God, why doesn't he show himself? It seems as though God isn't into crass sort of self-publicity campaigns, is he? God isn't into flashing signs in the sky as much as that would make life much easier for us. It would make my job a lot easier if I got an email from God every morning, from Jesus at Jmail every morning. I'm here to tell you that doesn't happen. I, like you, need to, need to lean in to God. I need to, to make sure that I'm shutting out a lot of the noise of, of the world. I heard an analogy this week that trying to sort of discern God's will when you don't really pay any attention to him from day to day, week to week, and then all of a sudden come to him in a moment of need and cry out, is a little bit like trying to pick out the piccolo in one of Beethoven's concertos when all you do day to day is listen to ACDC. <laughs> Nothing against Akadaka, but you see what I'm saying, don't you? You've got to train your ears. It might be like, now I'm not much of a wine drinker, I'm not into wines, but I know some of you can pick out sort of the, the fruity bouquet in a night Chardonnay. All I drink is Coke Zero. It's wasted on me. You might like to think of it maybe as going outside in the dark after being inside a, a bright, brightly lit room, it takes a while for your eyes to adjust. It's going to take a while to dial in to God's voice. Or think of your own backyard. Think of your own, even your own garden. And you probably know your own, think you know your own garden pretty well, but I'm willing to bet that if you went out into your garden with a, a trained entomologist, an insect expert, he or she'd be able to tell you all sorts of things that you never knew was going on in your own backyard. Yes, what do you think? That entomologist spent years studying, learning, to take notice of what's actually happening in a garden where you or, you or I might only see the odd lady beetle and, and a trained entomologist is going to know a lot more about what's really happening in the ecology of your own backyard. I started... Uh, this year, as many of us shared before, that I've started my day with the Psalms this year because I got challenged at the start of, of this year to, to make sure that Scripture is the first thing in my brain every morning. I need to confess to you that I'm the sort of person that loves getting up in the morning and getting into tasks, getting the jobs done. Every morning there's about 20 emails to sort. If you're like me, you've got about five or six different messaging apps on your phone, don't you? 
you've got WhatsApp, you've got Telegram, right? You've got uh, the, the, the SMS, uh, I've got Slack, I've got a few others. And they're pinging away all day. The emails are coming in all day. So I've taken up the challenge, not checking my phone first thing in the morning. Not checking my emails first thing in the morning. It was hard at first. Because I love getting up and getting into it. What's the news of the world? No, no. I'm going to make sure that scripture is the first thing that I'm going to think on each day. God's word to me. A different psalm every morning. Psalm 133 this morning. Every morning, God is going to be the first to have his way with me, to, to speak to me before I open the emails or, or even check my phone. Can I encourage you to maybe do the same? Each new year, I give you a fresh new couple of ideas about daily devotions. Come and see me if you'd like when I can share a few good ideas. If you haven't yet got a, a daily devotion. Look, maybe you're not a morning person. Maybe you're a night person. It might, be, might work easier for you before you go to bed. I don't know. But I do think it is important to be dialing into God and listening to God, training your ear to hear for God. Because I think the fact of the matter is, he actually wants us to lean in. It appears as though God wants us to sort of want more of him rather than just sort of dropping an anvil on our head and hoping that we look up to see him. That seems to be how God appears to act. Because I think when we think about it, if, if God did simply just write a flashing sign in the sky, if he did grant us all of, our, all of our wishes, the movie Bruce Almighty shows pretty cleverly that we don't actually know what's best for us, do we? You remember the movie Bruce who's given the power of God to answer all the prayers and on his emails he just says, yes to all. And he wakes up the next morning and the world is a mess because we don't actually know what is, what is best for us. So I think God is wanting to discipline us and he's wanting us at times to take the hard road, to actually take the discipline ourselves to making sure that we are journeying with him because it is only by taking the hard, narrow, difficult path that, that we actually grow. In the fullness of time, of course, God did, in fact, break into history, didn't he? In the fullness of time, God, in fact, did break into human history. He came down and, in fact, lived as one of us. At Christmas time, we remember that the God who made the cosmos came down and was laid in an animal's feed trough. Had nowhere to lay his head but a bunch of fishing nets in the odd fishing boat. He was arrested on false charges. He was beaten and whipped. And he was crucified and died for you in order that you might live, in order that you and I might experience reconciliation with God. All of the mark and filth in our life paid with, washed clean, whiter than snow, once and for all at the cross of Christ. He has made it possible to once again enter into the presence of God, like Isaiah did five or six hundred years prior we are now able to enter into God's presence because of the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. But of course, that wasn't what Isaiah was expecting and it certainly wasn't according to Isaiah's time frame, was it? Isaiah had to wait around five or six hundred years for this to take place. So remember that next time you're getting a little bit impatient at that 
infamous set of lights that you have to go through on your way to work. Isaiah had to wait hundreds of years for this, for this prophecy to, to come true, that God, in fact, did break in to our world. Also know, church, that, in fact, Jesus has promised to, to indeed rip open the skies. Jesus has told us that he will, in fact, come again, that he will, in fact, put an end to history. He will, in fact, put an end to human suffering and pain and misery. No more crying, no more pain. What a wonderful day that will be. Amen? But I think if this passage and Jesus' own story is anything to go by, it, it may not happen in the way that, that we're expecting. We're going to have to lean in and keep watch. You might remember a few weeks ago we heard about ten bridesmaids, five of whom didn't go the distance. They weren't able to, to keep watch. So can I encourage us, church, this Christmas, to try to filter out all the noise and all the consumerism and commercialization and to, to lean into God, to, to hear his voice, to strain to hear him speaking through you. Still yourself. Ask yourself, well, Heavenly Father, speak to me. Here I am. I'm listening. What are you wanting to say to me this Christmas? Can I encourage you this Christmas? To keep watch. To keep watch for God breaking into your life, speaking to you, having mercy on you, and showing him the path that you would go. Amen? Let's pray. Uh, loving Lord, we, we ask for your help in this task. We, we know that it isn't always easy. We, we need your help in listening to you, listening for you. Ours is a world full of distractions. Ours is a busy world, ours is a world full of stuff, full of guff. Ours is a world full of voices that would have us go to the left or to the right. So we ask for your help in stilling ourselves and hearing your voice in the, the gentle whisper. We thank you for those times when you do make your will known to us. We we pray that you will indeed become clear. Help us to listen to your word in scripture. Help us to listen to your word in prayer time. Help us to listen to your word through creation, through the wise words of the faithful saints that are around us. This Christmas, Lord, we commit ourselves afresh to listening, to leaning in, to keeping watch, and seeing you at work in our world today. In Jesus' name. All the people said, Amen.